0: Hello, and welcome to the Why We Argue podcast. I'm Robert Talese, your host. I'm professor of philosophy at Vanderbilt University. Why We Argue is produced by Humility and Conviction in Public Life, a project based at the University of Connecticut, which explores how to balance our deepest commitments with open-mindedness, a respect for reason, and intellectual humility. The series, which is made possible by generous funding from the John Templeton Foundation, features brief discussions with publicly-minded thinkers about the state of discourse In contemporary democracy. Today, my guest is Eric Alterman. Eric is CUNY Distinguished Professor of English and Journalism at Brooklyn College. Eric is also a columnist for The Nation and a senior fellow at the Center for American Progress in Washington and the World Policy Institute in New York. He's the author of several books, including What Liberal Media? When Presidents Lie? Kabuki Democracy and most recently, Inequality and One City. Hello, Eric. Hi. How are you doing today? I'll live. (laughs) Um, Thanks for uh, joining me for uh, a discussion on uh, the Why We Argue podcast. Um, Why don't we just uh, hit right into it? Um, Eric, the presidential election, including the campaign leading up to it and um, the subsequent months following the election, have been strange uh, by anyone's measure, I think. And um, they've involved episodes in which the role of the news media has been overtly called into question, sometimes stronger, even uh, challenged and criticized. The claim that mainstream news sources are biased and fake is common, and the perceived reliability of outlets that, in fact, are bound by no journalistic norms seems to be on the rise. Now, one part of the diagnosis of all this is that we tend to, as thinkers, we tend to view information that confirms our pre-existing views as objective and as reliable, and we also tend to dismiss countervailing information and uh, to disregard sources of countervailing information and often see them as unreliable. But arguably, the news media is supposed to help us counteract these tendencies by supplying us with... um, a reliable, objective, balanced uh, uh, source of um, political information and other kinds of information. What do you make of all this?
1: You said a mouthful. (laughs) Yes. But I tell you, I got some problems with the way, I have some problems with the way you pose these questions to me. Great. I'll tell you why. Number one, you kept saying the media is, and that's Englishly, incorrect, okay. dramatically incorrect, and profoundly misleading in a very important way. There is no the media. There are many, many different kinds of media, and you can't speak about the media without being right about one of them and wrong about most of them. Number two, you spoke in the passive voice a few times, which means that you weren't willing to attribute your 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 criticisms to a particular source, which is very important to know who who the source is in order to judge the claims. The third thing you did was use the word seems more than once. And whenever anyone says seems, I have this Pavlovian reaction. I do it to my students all the time. Seems, madam, nay, it is. I know not seems. Act one, scene two, I believe, of Hamlet, which means that you can say anything you want if you use the word seems. Seems to me that there's no such thing as global warming because it was cold yesterday you know so uh when you talk about the media the most important thing to do in my view is define your terms which media do you mean when you want to discuss it or criticize it and number two uh when you talk about criticism of the media again you need to identify the source of the criticism because there's an awful lot of perfectly fair-minded and sensible criticism to be made of many different media sources but there's an awful lot of purely political hackery that's designed to um, obfuscate the truth. And that's
0: actually uh, more common than not. So let me ask a question then. So the way that we individuate different uh, media, is that uh, in your mind by means of their platform? Is there, you know, is news media that comes by way of print a different media from news media that comes by way of, screens or by audio or do you have a different kind of way of individuating different media
1: well i have a spectrum of reliability that i begin my semester with when i teach my students that begins with um hearsay i always quote something my mother's aunt rose heard on a bus as the beginning of the spectrum She's, someone told her not to buy from radio shack not her someone else right Someone she heard someone else on the bus tell someone else not to buy from Radio Shack, because they were ripoff. That's one end of the spectrum. The other end of the spectrum is refereed journals. Uh, although I would actually put the New Yorker magazine slightly beyond that, having been through their fact-checking process, <laughs> uh, I really would. Right. Um, and in between is everything else, and everything else falls on the spectrum depending on the particular case of that um, uh, uh, of that media institution. There are. Uh, books which are footnoted, but they but not necessarily um, but they have no obligation to be true. They just have an obligation not to be suable. Mm-hmm. The, the, inti- the entire the the uh, publishers don't fact check anything. They just make they just lawyer them. So books are footnoted, but it's up to the person reading them to this to to decide upon the reliability, which is usually based on the author individual authors reputation. There are magazines which are fact-checked and magazines which are not. Most magazines are not, but some are. But even those that are, the fact-checking process is itself uh, problematic because they're fact-checked by sources that are not themselves fact-checked. Then there's daily newspapers like the New York Times, the Washington Post that try very hard to get things right, but they've only got a day to do it and they make a lot of mistakes, but they care about their reputation. Then there's uh, I'm, I'm moving backwards on the spectrum now. Right. Then there's cable news, which only cares, doesn't really care if what is being said is true or not. It cares again if it if what is being said can get it into trouble, and if uh, if someone's going to complain about it, if someone powerful is going to complain, but if someone unpowerful is going to complain, then it's not a problem. Uh, then you move to different sources on the internet, which don't care. If, they're true at all because they have no particular reputation for truth to defend. Again, it's, it's a matter of getting sued. And then some publications that you can't even identify that you have no idea who they are, that are just making stuff up for the sake of hits. Those have always been around, but they've become kind of an epidemic or, uh, people started to notice them in the, uh, last election. And according to some studies that have been published, that was the majority of news that appeared on Facebook and the, big problem that we're facing now that is brand new is that it used to be that people would choose the media that they would consume and and it would be as as credible as they wanted it to be if you read the national Enquirer, it was not terribly credible credible but you probably knew that or you didn't care if you read the new york times you did care if you read the new york books you cared even more but now most people particularly most young people but most people get their news through social media and it's hard to distinguish what the source is, and so all media sources appear equally believable or not believable, and uh, and therefore, uh, like Gresham's law, bad information chases out good information.
0: Right. So the 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 different media then are distinguished according to the the ways in which they're both committed to and held to standards of reliability. Um, correct. Great. So uh, I, I take it them it's a real problem if, uh, if you're correct, and I believe that you are, that um, especially in the last maybe four or five years, but certainly um, since the lead up to the last election, um, political uh, news in particular uh, seems to be um, becoming more commonly consumed um, – uh, on online sources that don't seem to have any accountability. Is that right? That seems twice in that sense <laughs> Um,
1: yeah, well, online news, it's not online. Uh, the problem is not online. I, I consume 95%, actually a hundred percent of my news online, except for I do get a few paper. Well, I guess some of it's on paper, but the same articles I read on paper are also online. Right. I never watch television news. I don't think it adds anything at all um, and I don't watch the pundit programs because if something significant happens about happens with them, I can find it online. but I go to a lot of trouble to determine the source of what I'm learning from and most people have no reason to do that they're not professionals they're they're just consumers and they're not particularly particular consumers so yeah, but the problem is not. I guess you could say that the problem, the thing about online sources is that it's easier to hide who's providing them. And, uh, you know, the guy who was interviewed by the Washington Post, who's got a fake news site in Yugoslavia, or what used to be Yugoslavia, he said, right-wingers are really dumb and they'll believe anything, whereas liberals won't. And therefore, it's really easy to fight fool right-wingers into thinking things like, that it's somehow imaginable that Hillary Clinton would be running a child porn uh, in a pizza parlor. A child porn right. place in a pizza parlor. I mean, that's just idiotic. But uh, some people believe it. And, and you know, there's some, some disturbed person brought a gun to it. Uh, now, I wouldn't say these sources are any worse than talk radio was. Uh, Alex Jones and Rush Limbaugh make things up all the time. They're venal... They do it knowingly, and they do it for the purpose of confusing and enraging people. Uh, it's just that you know who they are, and uh, and somebody, like their advertisers, I suppose, or their producers, can be asked to take responsibility for them. Although, let's be honest, as long as they make a lot of money for these people, there isn't much responsibility taken. The problem with online sources, and with fa- particularly with Facebook refusing to take any responsibility, uh, it's that it's just it's become much more common, but it 's always it's it's never not been there
0: and doesn't it move though more fluidly in the I, mean, I don't know
1: that martin luther 's ninety two theses were all true 90, was it ninety ninety five theses
0: right <laughs> i
1: don 't know that they were all true you know they were read by a lot of people they were took advantage of the printing press i, I don 't think that they were all true
0: but doesn't the media and now I just mean the platform the the delivery system um yeah
1: uh, that would be the medium, no? The
0: medium, yes. Doesn't the medium um, allow for a kind of fluidity and um, a speed of dissemination that makes a difference? In yeah. It exacerbates the problem. And then, you know, so you yeah, know, if you've got to go and print. We had, this, we had this event, it seems like
1: a long time ago already, when um, there was this woman in the Department of Agriculture who was set up. By Breitbart people, named Shirley Sherrod, who gave a speech, and uh, and she and the speech was then edited by the Breitbart people. James O'Keefe right. was the film, the alleged filmmakers the wrong word. He's a he was the hitman, and he edited it to have her being saying exactly the opposite of what it was she was saying. But com, calls for comments were made that day. By various cable outfits. And Obama's Secretary of Agriculture, Tom Vilsack, fired her so that he could say she was fired by the time the cable news came on that afternoon. And then weeks later, it became apparent that the tape had been doctored and she didn't say these things. And I don't remember whether or not she got her. That was already. Now, that was seven or eight years ago. Now, that has speeded up much more quickly because, as I said, the news now travels almost exclusively on the Internet. The the the, the cable stations chew on it, but they don't break much of it. Uh, and so the speed is a problem. But I would say that Shirley Sherrod example is a pretty good example of a problem. Um, the, the cable news – in the political world, the cable news stations kind of still run things because they spend all day speaking to political junkies and particularly the people who work in politics and they define the parameters of the discourse. So if you can get into them, then you've really achieved something that's without them. I think it's obvious. I don't think anyone would argue there would be no Donald Trump presidency if CNN and Fox had not fallen. And MSNBC actually as well had not fallen in love with, with this, spectacle of Donald Trump. It wouldn't have worked just on the internet.
0: Right. And is the, does the, the speed or the rapidity or the, the way in which, um, reportage gets disseminated these days. Um, does that, uh, contribute to, um, uh, does that incentivize spectacle making in politics? I mean, it seems that one, let me put it this way. Um, uh, One could argue that what uh, Trump has been a master of um, is sort of leading the news stations around by creating things that need to be reported, even if the report's content is that – the President has said something very strange, or the President has alleged something that would be amazing if true. Um, that takes over the news cycle, the fact that something has been said, even yeah. if it has no merit.
1: Trump is a genius. I mean and when I say genius, I don't necessarily mean he's intelligent. I mean he's a genius here. Two separate things. Uh, Trump is a genius for the manipulation and exploitation of the weaknesses of the mainstream media you're right that he he creates these shiny objects that they can't help but chase even if they hate themselves in the morning um and and uh and he does it i, I think he kind of does it without even he doesn't. it doesn't do it strategically he just does it like that's his genius and and it's because he's an entertainer and an egomaniac and he always needs attention to be focused on him and he has no uh filters and that and the media have for a long time the mainstream media have basically been mindless in other words they would report anything without taking a position on it that's one of the problems with objectivity is that it doesn't require any commitment to truth it just requires that things be reported from quote unquote both sides Hmm. so trump has exploited that by you know one side says barack obama uh was born in kenya one side Says it doesn't. He wasn't. You. You be the one to decide. That's a perfectly respectable, objective report. McCarthy pioneered this technique, and Trump has taken it into into hyperspace and perfected it, so that now it's a it's a daily part of our lives.
0: So, what can the media do? I mean, if um, what what alternative? Uh, if uh, what alternative to That the norm of objectivity, as you just described it, which is just not committing um, uh, to uh, any norm of truth, but simply reporting the facts where the facts are what people say or what people have claimed uh, or asserted is the truth. What's what's an alternative role for the media?
1: Well, again, you can't talk about the media. I'm sorry. (laughs) really. I mean, it's the thing is, is that I think I I argued in my very first book, uh, Sound and Fury, which coined the term punditocracy, if I do say so myself, which is now in the OED. (laughs) Congratulations. Um, Thank you. Very proud of that. And they use my name in the example. Excellent. So I'm going to live forever. (laughs) Uh, I I argued that we needed a more European form of journalism where – they, they say here's what – you know they ha- you read a newspaper that you agree with, whether it's Le Monde or Liberation or a conservative newspaper and they tell you the truth and they don't feel like they have to say on the one hand and on the other hand you decide. They, they are able to tell you the truth. The Guardian does this too. They should be fair and balanced actually. But they shouldn't be afraid to say this guy's lying and this guy's telling truth or this person has a convincing argument and here's why and here's why this other person isn't convincing. Ironically, everything in my life ends up being the opposite of what it should be. Fox News, first talk radio and then right wing talk radio and then Fox News adopted this model and they did it by not caring about particularly about what was true. They did it as a as a political onslaught on the center and the left. And it proved to be very popular. Uh, so, uh, so others, CNN and other sources, started to copy it because that's where the cable news audience was. It's just a and talk radio audiences. It's just a sort of weird, unfortunate fact that um, to make money in television news and radio news, only right wingers are the are the real market for it. Uh, and liberals, they want. Both sides. That's why NPR is what liberals get, and they NPR is as, as conservative as it is liberal in terms of the nature of its commentary and uh, most of its uh, news. You can o- the only way you could define NPR as, as the liberal is by comparing it to conservative, quote unquote conservative. But the conservatives are not conservative. They are just are not truthful because they're doing something else. Fox News is not a news station. It's a propaganda network that is actually the tail wagging the dog. The Republican Party has to respond to Fox News, not the other way around. Right. So so we're in a weird situation where one side is trying to uphold values that the other side, for which the other side has no respect or can even recognize anymore. And we reached a tipping point in this election because Trump got 60 million votes without anybody really being able to believe him. I mean, it's impossible to believe the things Trump said in the campaign. It's just impossible. They're contradictory and they defy logic, but people didn't care because the facts ceased to matter. and people just wanted to vote. The ad.
0: Do excellent. Um, and, and the sloganeering was, um, was pretty remarkable too, in that, um, leading up to the election, um, it was hard to find a, um, a dominant interpretation of any of the Trump slogans. Um, so draining the swamp and making America great again um, were uh, vague enough that anybody can fit in any content that they favored. And um, so th- they worked like, um, like marketing slogans rather than like political proposals.
1: Look, no no Republican candidate for Senate or president in the past 12 years has run on a program that says global warming is real it's man-made and it's a threat that needs to just not one and yet every single other country doesn't have a major party that takes that position because it's it's not a it's not an intellectually defensible position when 99 point seven percent of qualified climatologists say the opposite, you don't get to say it's not if you don't have any evidence, which they don't. And yet the entire Republican Party takes that position. Um, So truth is not a question in there, but the mainstream media can't, they can't bring themselves to say all these people are ignoring truth. They have to say on the one hand, on the other hand, they might, in the very last paragraph, say, "By the way, there's not there's more, not much scientific support for this position," but that that's not what that's not the focus of what comes across. I mean, just the day before yesterday, Donald Trump lifted the uh, lifted the uh, regulations on pollution from cars that Obama had put into place. Those stories didn't say, oh, by the way, this is based on a theory that no respectable scientist really in the Western world agrees, and no political party agrees with. They just reported it here's the news. No context. So somebody wrote a book now. I, I can't I think it's George, no, it's George W. S. Trell, if I'm not mistaken, called In the Context of No Context. But I might be wrong about who wrote that. And that's where we're living. And in the context of no context, you can say anything you want. And because so many people believe – live in this world, you know, Trump got 60 million votes, the rest of the media have to be pay heed to it, to be respectful of it, to, to not insult these people every day because they're accused of being unpatriotic and liberally biased. And also they want some of the same dough that these other – that Fox is bringing in. Fox is making a billion dollars a year. So – uh It's a big problem, and I I don't have any idea
0: how (laughs) to solve. Well, do you have any advice that you might, or or any lessons that we should take away as um, uh, citizens who uh, are, um, as for those citizens who are trying their level best to make sense of. The political world and are relying on certain media outlets, certain kinds of media outlets, to um, to help them. do I it. do,
1: I do, yeah. At the same time, this is happening, and it's not entirely unrelated. the um, The economic model of newspaper business has collapsed, and so there are forty percent fewer newspaper reporters and editors working today than there were ten years ago, and Print advertising in newspapers is, in a, is metastasizing in terms of its disappearance. So people need to pay for good news sources. News is, good news is very expensive to produce, and the Internet has trained people not to pay for it. Facebook and Craigslist have been devastating to the, uh, to the business model that people have relied on forever, To support newspapers, and I'd say probably 90% of the reliable news we get comes from newspaper, newspaper reporting. Um, So people need to find those sources that they support, just like the churches they support and the political organizations they support, and support news sources because they can't support themselves. And, you know, uh, who knows what will happen over the next four or eight years, but there's Truth is not going to stop mattering. I'm actually writing another book about presidential lying now, and the fact that he lies so much is a problem for donald trump it's it's not it's not nothing it's it's crazy the the degree to which he lies and and he lies so often you can't keep up with them. but some of the lies end up mattering when the truth is found out, and you can't predict which ones will, and that's really our only hope so I think that uh, I don't. I don't say this often enough, but people really need to support reliable media because they're are under so many different threats now that they're just not going to make it. There's going to be it, it, there's going to be like half a dozen to a dozen reliable news sources left in the next 10 years, if people don't change their attitude. Totally.
0: And by reliable, do you mean newspapers particularly? I mean, particularly
1: newspapers, because those are the ones under the most threat, but I, I'm not, I'm not limiting it to newspapers, anything that you trust and is actually going out there and seeking information. It's not just like, you shouldn't give your money to me personally because I don't, discover anything i explain things and i'm relying on those same people who are discovering things but we need people to go out there and discover things and to be watchdogs and that's what we're losing the cable stations which are now making money hand over fist they don't provide this service they they just they're just entertainment stations that use politics as entertainment they don't nothing is ever discovered on these on by these people so we need the discoverers to be supported
0: well, Eric Alterman, thank you so much uh, for for talking today uh, on the Why We Argue podcast. Um, that seems like a good piece of advice uh, to end on. Um, and thank you, listener, for tuning into the Why We Argue podcast, which again is produced by the University of Connecticut's Humility and Conviction in Public Life project with generous support from the John Templeton Foundation. You can follow the project on Twitter and on Facebook at public humility. Bye for now.